0: 7-4, Tango Whiskey, 2.6 for 3000, uh, 140 on heading.
1: I don't know. Is he two C? Is he three C? sure seems like Anisimov is filling the Katuri role at one C. So I gotta say, of all the people that I expected to play one C for the Flyers this year, Artem Anisimov wasn't uh, wasn't that one of them? It's uh, where did uh, they even find this guy? He hasn't day. played in the NHL since like 2019 for Christ's What? Why? What? You couldn't find anybody else, <laughs> like,
0: bro? <laughs> I want to download like one of those gambling apps. And I want to put some heavy money that Artem Anisimov is getting signed. You know why I know? In the interviews at training camp yesterday, he was decked out with a Flyers hat, Flyers shirt. <laughs> he had like everything. I was like, oh yeah, dude, this guy's getting they signed. They got to sign him, right? Just, oh, they're going to sign him. For yeah. the sole
1: reason that he plays yeah. centered, you can get him for a league minimum contract. Fuck it. Yeah, they'll definitely Jesus sign him. Jesus Christ. Why? <laughs> There's no way nice he's amount. going to be able to keep
2: up in the NHL now. Like, zero fucking chance. This guy is going to have, like, one good game to start the season, and then the opposition is going to be skating circles around him Probably. come late October. There's a reason he's been in Russia for the last couple of years. He's going to be trying to defend, like, like Jack Hughes and shit and, like, Sidney Crosby. <laughs> it's just, like, fucking chance.
0: <laughs> Who else could we get? Alexei Zhamnov. What's that guy? (laughs) (laughs) Alexei Kovalev.
2: (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Yeah. I mean, I guess the hope is, look, if the team starts losing like two to one rather than like five to one, I guess that's that's where their heads are right now. Is that what? consider to win it's losing by
1: one instead of four
0: <laughs> yep i want them to lose every game 4 2
1: or 4-3-2 they can lose all the games they want just like can one of these kids fucking be kind of promising this year like can noah Cates at least look good in the, lo- in the losing like let's 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 try and find one or two positives to take away from this season instead of just throwing away another year entirely like, I think that would be best case scenario is if like Forrester puts up 35 goals and Kate's look like a decent fucking hockey player and they still lose. Right. I think that's kind of what the the ultimate goal is at this point.
2: What are your expectations for for Owen Tippett this year? I, I think we saw a lot of promise out of him. I mean, he's got an incredible NHL. I don't body. think I've
1: heard his name once during the few training camp days. Ago. Same. I haven't heard him at all, but I'd love to see him break out specifically. I think they're going to give him plenty of opportunity to do so because he was, you know, the son of Giroux. Uh, you know, I think they have a lot of stock invested in his development. He'll probably get a good shake. But, you know, supposedly he was working on a shot this summer. So if he died he was, I really did like tip it towards the end of last season. So if he can mm-hmm. add that elusiveness to his shot and still kind of keep up that pace and the flair, I think he got something there. You know. So what would be a success, 20 goals? Yeah. At this point, I take twenty goals out of Tippett. Yeah. So he I. should have
2: every opportunity on offense too. As long as, I mean, as far as I can tell, that's the where the accountability
1: in, thing comes in, especially on that mm-hmm. log jam at right wing. You know, if Knechtney's playing like shit and Allison is playing great, can you make that swap? Mm-hmm. You know, if Atkinson is old and washed up and Allison is playing great, can you make that swap? That's going to be one of those things that I keep an eye on. Is is that right wing mm-hmm. log jam to see what happens there? But yeah, and Tippett's the only guy that can create. Like, I don't
2: think. You know, like Travis Konechny isn't able to create his own offense. No, he, he's too small. He just can't. He just can't do it. Um, And Cam Atkinson is OK at it. But Cam's more of a finisher. And, you know, I don't think that Wade Allison has experience yet to really do that. And whoever else they're going to throw on the right side can't either. So I think Tippett is one of the few guys that can create his own offense in this league. And it's also about, you know, putting that together and finishing this year, which I think he might be able to do. God, I do love me some Wade
1: Allison. that guy provided he's a all these people fucking talk about this guy like he's injury riddled and like he does he does he does get hurt but i don't think it's his injuries are typically major ones that keep him out for longer periods of time this is not like a michael noeira thing where he takes you know a puck and that's the end of that you know, it was a, he doesn't get hurt in the gym. He gets hurt no. in games. Yeah, doing he stuff, fucked up his knee during the rookie different. game last year. Which thank Christ they didn't put him in this year. And then he had the broke some kind of bone when he played and came back in his first NHL. But that was it. Then he played the last two and a half months of the Phantom season without any problem. Mm-hmm. I think what it is is I think like t- when Tony used to cover the team if, before he threw his hissy fit and left, he he would say things like, "Oh, like the trainer's looking at Wade Allison on the bench." And it would be absolutely nothing, right? It would be just something that happens a hundred times every game with every player. But because it's to Allison, people go, Oh my God, he's hurt again because nobody's actually watching the Phantoms. Whereas I'm in the building watching this guy tear it up every single fucking night because he's awesome. You know, I, I think that's where a lot of the public perception got skewed in what Allison is. Um, just, I don't mm-hmm. think people keep close enough tabs on the Phantoms that, that they don't realize what he was doing down there, that he was fine for the last little while, that, that, you know, what he really is as a player. I absolutely love this guy. Once he gets put in front of the theoretical larger audience at the Wells Fargo Center, even though quite frankly, the PPL Center may be outdrawing the fucking Wells Fargo Center uh, by the time the season starts. I think people are gonna love this guy. Once they see what he is, then you're gonna love. I him. don't
2: think he's a fourth line player either. I mean, people were penciling him in. The, I I don't think that's a good spot for. He's him. there by he default
1: because of the log jam on right wing. But I'd put him in yeah. the top six, no problem at this point.
2: Yeah, I think he's. I think he's probably like a th- like a very good third line winger. I like I think he needs those minutes. Um, I think he has some offensive talent. Um, he's a big guy. Uh, and I could see him potentially, that's the guy that's going to create his, way his own up.
1: offense. If you're talking on that yeah. level, he's fucking awesome. into a
2: second line player. I mean, it's possible, but I think, I think you can't relegate him to the fourth line. I just think it's wasting his talent. And I don't, I don't really give a fuck about giving TK minutes or honestly, like I love Cam Mackinson, but it's way more important for the flyers. Somebody's got to play on the left Allison's side.
1: good. Right. I mean, they could theoretically move Lawton back to see if they really wanted to. That seems to be, like, one of the things they've thrown around. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. you know, somebody's going to have driver. to play in the left wing. And I would move Konekne over there and just say, fuck you, Travis. Can I get the fuck over and play left side. you worthless piece of shit. And then give to Allison a spot on top too. side. You can move Cam I think Cam is yeah. probably a longer history of right wing instead of left. But, mm-hmm. fuck, I would move one of those two over and give Allison a top spot with Tippett. Yeah. And, fuck, even Forrester may make the NHL before too long and he's a right wing. Like, you may just have to bite the bullet and move Konechny and Atkinson over to the left and give the right wing spots to the natural young right wing guys in Allison, Tippett, and Forrester. And Brink when he comes back. He's a right wing, too! That could be a great
2: group. I mean, that could be a fantastic group right there. And you have... A potential the potential for
1: in their middle six in-depth wings to be excellent is very, very high this year. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, oh, there's a chance their goaltending is going to be awesome. Carter Hart and Felix Sonstrom, high likelihood for success. Their defense on paper could at least be decent, provided D'Angelo and Provorov have a decent work ethic, and the odd couple pairing of Sianem and Ristalainen continues. York and Braun on the third pair should be awesome. If you can get success out of them, great. You've got good goaltending, good defense. You look at the forward group, Tippett, Forrester, Allison, Brink, uh, you know, Konechny and Atkinson aren't entirely worthless. Like, that is a very good middle six and depth wing crew. You've got no center depth, and you've got no top-end talent and it's that it's like the two positions of utmost need that are going to win you <laughs> hockey games they absolutely refuse to address you know and it's so fucking frustrating to know that guys like Alex DeBrincat, Johnny Gaudreau and Jack Eichel have all been available within the last year because those are the players that you desperately desperately need the biggest gaping holes that are on this roster right now are the sheer talent part of it that they refuse to add fuck it's so goddamn frustrating I get control was a lot of money; they couldn't afford it. They didn't want to tie in this. Sl- Whatever the excuses, is. there is no one excuse I can think of for not getting to DeBrincat, twenty-four-year-old, two-time forty-goal scorer who went for pennies on the dollar in a trade. Fuck! Why didn't they hit this guy? That was exactly what the doctor ordered here. I guess he's a winger, but Jesus Christ! Like you've had they opportunities up to from fix
2: the- him this. at least a year or two ago, because like we've said they they don't think ahead they don't plan for the future and getting a guy like a Goudreau or or debrincat started probably like two off seasons ago but they refuse to think about that they have to rush out and overpay all these mediocre players and then at the end of the day their hands are tied and they're scrambling 24 hours before free agency to free up cap space everybody knows it and they can't do anything about it every fucking time like it's just so frustrating to see that because that's exactly what happened. Yep. And it started two years ago, even three years ago. They don't set themselves up to get those players. They can't afford them. They can't uh, give the assets for them. It's just it, it's a horribly run front office. And uh, that's all I can say about it.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: The other thing with the Debrinkat is, well, after two years, he's going to walk away. Well, you know that for not
1: a with this front office, they're going to give him a fucking <laughs> eight year contract.
0: No, but everybody was talking like it's guaranteed. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, man. It's it's not guaranteed. Well, it's not. And I mean, certainly the impetus is there for him to test free agency. And he kind of hinted that that might be something that he would do with Chicago. Now, is it likely? Sure. So that's where it's prudent, where you would go to him a year before he is eligible for free agency. And you go, here's a contract. How much do you Mm -hmm. want? Here's the term. How much do you want? You want to no, know uh, no trade? What do you want? And if he says, you know what? I think I want to go to free agency. You don't think that the Flyers would have any problems trading Alex to No way.
1: They could flip him in their friend. own right.
0: Yeah.
2: It's yeah. okay. yeah, so the next time you get one year out of him, and then you recoup what you need to. Okay. Yeah.
0: So you traded a first, second, and a third. You roll the dice. You take a chance. And uh, okay. So you get a first and a third back for him. Mm-hmm was worth the gamble and you had added top end talent and you sold a shit ton of
1: hockey jerseys in the two years that he was here. (laughs) Right. That
2: move in and of itself, Manny makes so much sense, but it's too sophisticated for the Flyers. That's true. This is one of the most unsophisticated front offices I have seen. They operate at such a base elementary level in all phases that they would never even consider that move. It's so far above their heads.
0: Yep, I would agree. Yep. They can they can't do more than one move at a time and they can't think more than one step at a time.
1: It's totally pathetic. right. It is totally he, fucking and, and he's a
0: Harvard guy. He can't fucking think. T- it's like it's a, it's like playing checkers but... Now, Yeah, you know, how did he get into Harvard?
2: It, I don't know. It's because his dad had influence. His probably, dad, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. his dad has influence. And that's how we got I I I'd like to see Chuck's um, high school records and see if he got into Harvard on merit or if there was something else there. It's pretty hard to get into Harvard on merit. It's pretty easy to get into if you got
1: connections. Mm-hmm. Well, that's... So <laughs> <laughs> you'll Let's be receiving your cease and desist in the mail, Mike.
0: <laughs> if it, if one of his high school teachers is listening and he did his SATs, send us the score <laughs> a copy of it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, he might be, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, he might be like a very good book smart guy. I was gonna say he could be book smart, and he's probably like a pretty good corporate executive. But being a GM of a professional team is different than just being the run of the mill C suite executive. Like it, it's so much different. It requires a level of, uh, you know, you got to be able to get along with people, but you got to be aggressive and creative. And those are traits that he just does not have at all. And it's ruining the team. Ugh.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's... He's got to go. I, I I hung on to this guy longer than most people. There was always something about, and we talked a little about this on Flyers AD, where it's like, you know, every time he spoke over the last few years, with the exception of the free agent press conference there was always, like, a calming presence where he said something where it was like, okay, like, this guy clearly knows what's wrong here. And before this summer, there was always that, you know, he did try last year. Now, with the benefit of hindsight, those moves were relatively lackluster, all things considered. You know, there wasn't actually a lot of additions made. It was a lot of movement, but not a lot of actual talent was brought in. But there was always the perceived value, and I think that was the benefit of the doubt that I was giving him going into the 2022 off season was, okay, like... He at least made moves during 2021 to give the perception that he would not be afraid to turn this team around this summer. And they desperately needed... You know, when you have somebody like Johnny Gaudreau who's begging to come to your franchise and you turn him away because you value JVR too much, it's just bullshit. You give up... You you refuse to trade three picks for Alex DeBrincat, a young up-and-coming superstar winger, But the next day you'll give up three picks for Tony D'Angelo. Why? (laughs) You know it's just this guy just clearly doesn't know what he's doing. You're you this the blood of this team is on his hands right now. It's no longer Ron Hextall's fault, and yeah, Hextall really fucking set him up for failure. But the blood of this team, the bulk of the failure of the current 2022 Philadelphia Flyers is Chuck Fletcher's fault, and it's just time how this guy still has a job is crazy. So here's a question for you guys that I've been thinking about here. And
2: so we've heard about, um, this alleged influence that the old timers have, like, you know, Homer and Bobby Clark and Bill Barber and whatnot. And I think the prevailing thing with that is, look, these guys are not controlling day-to-day operations. They're not saying who needs to make the roster. They're not on the phone with other general managers, you know, they're hands off. And I agree with that. But I'm starting to think that the one thing that those guys are asked about and are consulted about is the general direction of the franchise. And when they need to make big moves like hiring a Chuck Fletcher as a general manager or even with the style of a head coach, the characteristics of one of a head coach, I'm starting to worry a little bit that that influence is preventing is is guiding Dave Scott and is saying we don't want to rebuild because we don't think it's a good idea. And Dave Scott says, well, if these guys don't think we should rebuild, then we're not going to rebuild. And that flows down to Chuck. What do you guys make of that? Of that style of thingy. Do you think that that's at play here right now, or how do you think that's
1: working? It's a topic and just overall question of the job responsibilities of guys like Barber and Clark and Holmgren that I would love to know from the inside. What are they actually doing here? You know, I don't think they're, you know, the Flyers Illuminati, you know, they're secretly running the team, and Chuck Fletcher's just some puppet. I, I don't think that's the case, but. I do think there are too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to this kind of thing. And I don't know. I would love to know kind of officially what their positions are more so than just senior advisor. Like when are their voices heard? What are they doing? And, you know, do they have Dave Scott's ear? How much value do Fletcher and Scott put into their voices you know do they get a call from bob clark who says you know let's uh, resign travis sanheim and, and chuck fletcher just thinks he's some crazy old man yelling at him and just hangs up the phone mm-hmm. and, and nothing or does he sit there and go you know what Liam, that's a good idea let's resign sanheim you know like it's it it's would be probably
2: the- not even at that level it's like it's like hey do you think that we should tear this shit down or do you think that we need to rebuild or you know stuff like that or like what's the what is the characteristic that this team is lacking and, you know, Bob Clark's like, well, you need a lot of grit you need some sandpaper guys. Yeah. So then once Dave Scott hears, well, we need sandpaper guys. And that's the instruction of Fletcher and say, go out and, and go overkill on sandpaper guys. Like that's the kind of like general, you know, more qualitative type of stuff yeah. that I think is at play here. And I think it might be a problem at this point.
1: I would agree. I definitely think there's something going on there, and like I said, I wish, I wish we knew a little more about this one. How how public some of this stuff could be, because I, I think there's something uh, something to it.
0: I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm hearing different things from different people. Like, some people think that you know Clark and Homer have a lot to say. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't really see it. I. A part of me thinks.
1: I think it's somewhere in between. I don't think they're making day to day operations anymore, but I also think their fingerprints are probably a little more palpable than we would think they are.
2: Holmgren was at training camp uh, this past
1: week, actually. I think they all were. Bill Barber was there as well. I don't know if Clark was or not. I didn't see him specifically, but I know Barber. But do you guys think. Fucking Bill Barber looks like he's 10,000 years old these days. Oh, yeah. You noticed that? Holy He's a dinosaur. Yeah.
2: Like are those the cooks in the kitchen? I mean I guess they could be. I think I don't know. I mean I it's know. them or it's like Val,
1: right? <laughs> like somebody there's clearly yeah, some other her, voice yeah. going on here and I don't think it's her. It, but I I don't know. I just don't know how much stock they actually have in the hockey ops department. I it feels like because they don't, but it feels like they could. You know, I just I have no idea. Because what I've heard, and
2: again, this is from a lot of the folks that have a lot of the inside information, like the like the Anthonys and the Russes and people that have a lot of inside sources. And the prevailing theme from those sources is that there is zero appetite in the organization to rebuild. They're not going to do any New York Rangers style letter. They're not going to admit to anything like that. Clearly, there's not. no way they're ever going to do that. so so the next question is, where is that actually coming from? Who, is the impediment to to the organization making a pivot in that type of direction? Because obviously that's that's what they have to be doing right now. They failed at, at you know building an actual contender, so you need to go in the other direction. But there's there's some voices in the room that are preventing that from happening. I don't necessarily know if it's Chuck Fletcher unilaterally. In fact, I don't think it's him. I think I don't think it's a hundred percent him, but I do think yeah. he's
1: a big part of the incompetence that's going mm-hmm. on here. This this aggressive retool and yeah. then failure to put an aggressive retool on the ice. I think a lot of that's on him, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's doing it a hundred percent by himself either. So, yeah, uh, interesting I don't topic know, the, though.
0: The thing it is, and the but the thing is, is like I keep going back to what Russ Joyce said on a podcast recently, which is Chuck Fletcher doesn't take any responsibility for anything. So when trades happen or don't happen, it's not on him. It's somebody else provided the information to do that. You know, is he setting up guys like Clark and Homer and all these guys as kind of like fall guys? Well, they advised me to do this. And and Russ used the word self-preservation, He's a self-preservation GM. He's a guy that's going to try to do whatever it takes to maintain his job at this point, and and prior, right? So you sit there and you go, okay. So when you have all these advisors, Dean Lombardi and all these people, like, are they actually telling him stuff? Like, can he not make a decision on his own? At at the, on the draft floor, I can almost guarantee you that it's Brett Flair's show. Yeah. He's completely in charge, and he just tells Chuck, this is the name, and go up there and say the name. I don't think he can make a decision on his own. I really don't. And everything that leads up to this, it it kind of, you know, reinforces that.
1: Did you notice the one name we haven't mentioned in all of this is the special assistant, Danny Bringer? Where the fuck is he right now? Where where does he fall in the grand (laughs) scheme of this team? What's he doing? If this guy's the heir to the throne, shouldn't he be a little more hands-on and all of this? He's another one of those characters that just... What the fuck is he doing here? He's like Dean Lombardi. Like, they just exist in the background to exist. Well, nobody's allowed to talk, apparently, except for Chuck and the head coach. Every
2: single other person associated with the franchise is off-limits. It's just those two are the spokespeople, and that's how they kind of control information. Um, I think Danny gave, like, one... When he was promoted, he gave a press He gave conference. an interview
1: then, and he was at the draft. They did interview him at the draft. But other than that, I don't think we've actually heard from Breer other than those two occasions, no.
0: And to reinforce what I was just saying, that Chuck doesn't make any decisions, look mm-hmm. at what everybody's saying about John Tortorella. Well, he's going to re- weed out the good apples from the bad apples. He's going to be the one that separates the good players and the bad players and the lazy players. He's going to be assessing these players now. He's going to be giving accountability. So what's Chuck doing? Doesn't hasn't Chuck seen these guys for the last three, four years? Exactly. He's, he's busy he
1: in his go? office trying to figure out how the fuck he can make this LTIR work with Sean Caternia. <laughs> well, torch and threw find, it back on Chuck for the preseason. <laughs> he's
2: like, you're making the fucking <laughs> roster. And then,
0: and then that goes back to the hiring process and how Chuck didn't really have anything to do with it. And it was a firm that picked him. And then there was rumors that Chuck wasn't thrilled with the with the selection, right? Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But it goes back to, you know, all these other people have all this power and all this say, and Chuck's just, he's just keeping a seat warm. Mm-hmm. Like, that's his job. He's just breathing it. He's there to sit at that desk so that it looks like somebody's there. But when it comes time to actually making a trade, not happening. When it comes time to actually making a move, not happening. When it comes time to doing anything of substance, providing a direction, not happening. You know, we finally got, uh, you know, closure on uh, Ryan Ellis, where we got a little bit more detail on what's going on with him. And he finally admitted, I don't expect to see him back this year. Like, that, by the that way, go?
1: after the underseason season press conference where they said, he'll
0: be back for the training camp, he's a complete <laughs> liar.
2: I mean, yeah. Chuck was a complete liar on Ryan Ellis.
1: Yeah. It is ridiculous.
2: Remember? So in May, he told reporters that he expected Ellis to be ready for training camp. Yep. And they were like drooling over this plan. Oh, we have a plan. We're going to be yep. set for training camp and all this stuff. And then he comes out earlier and he says that he knew Ellis would not be ready
1: all along. Yeah. <laughs> I think pretty much yeah. everybody knew Ellis wasn't going to be ready all along. It's just one of those things where they're. Blatantly telling us lies that anybody with two fucking brain cells or whatever they should be able to realize is a problem. But I don't and know, that,
0: and that that's where the no confidence in him comes from. Yeah, he lied about Ryan Ellis. He lied about the aggressive retool. Yeah, so you know what they say: if one lies, uh, you know, not what do they say? If, if, one lies, <laughs> if one lies, if one lies, no, wait a second.
2: God I do You're lie. the prophet here, Manny.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of the saying, and I. I don't know
2: this much. idiom. I'm not sure about this idiom. I don't know this one.
0: If uh, what what oh shit! If one lies not enough, that how many's too many, or something like that. Yeah, what that else has he lied about, about, about? about? What else has he lied about? Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah, probably. What else has he lied about?
2: Oh, there's probably ton- Yeah, it's probably a laundry list of shit. I think he's lying about Sean Couturier.
1: Yeah, it's true. I think they know a little more about this because they never told us what the back problem was that he underwent surgery for last season. This year they told us it was a herniated disc, which I think, (laughs) you know, is that what it was for real? Or does it go back to this mystery surgery he had last year? What what was that surgery? Because I think that's probably hampering him more. And I've been asking this for a fucking year. You know, is this a thing that was a one-and-off surgery, some minor deal, like whatever Patrick Brown underwent apparently isn't going to affect him long-term. You know, you can have a minor, you know, nerve pinch or something like that you can take care of, or is this some kind of degenerative, uh, degenerative, 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 fuck it, y'all know what I'm trying to say. let you figure that one out. Yeah, Degenerative. Degenerative, what Mike said, problem that could easily, you know, be a career ender. And it was a, it was a temporary solution to a long-term problem. And I think that's another one that will probably, you know, next training camp when it rolls around, because Katuri's done for the fucking season, next training camp when he's not available, they'll be like, all right, well, you know, he's missing, you know, three quarters of his spine now because they got taken out some, he's never going to play again. So, you know, we, we, we shall see.
2: Yeah. Uh, this is going to be just, uh... I'm kind of interested to see how this team reacts. I think under torts here, there was, you know, most of most of the training camp so far has just been bag skates. It's just been great to see. If
1: they never once practiced with a puck this year and just every fucking morning they have to skate their ass off for 30 minutes, I don't give a shit. I'd do it at this point. Who
2: gives a I fuck? I loved watching it. I loved the clips. It was awesome. You it see C. Like... Louis
1: in Montreal was doing something very similar. He's like, I learned really? this from torts back in the from day. I'm like, probably. yeah! Yep. This guy's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> He just wants to see
2: how these guys react. He's like, you're going to fucking skate your ass off. And I'm going to stand in the middle of the ice and watch you and blow a fucking whistle. And I'm going to watch your body language as to how you
1: react. And that's, that's all I he's could doing. ask for these days.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to try to get down to training camp. Because I just I just want to see the bag skates. I don't give a shit about anything with the puck. <laughs> I just want to see him skate.
1: Well, starbucks. there's a lot of room that's down it. there. Have you seen the pictures of the attendance? And there's like five people in the stand. Yeah. Yeah. That's another one of those things that should be like a huge red flag to the front office. Uh, you know, hey, nobody gives a fuck about this team. There's 10 people at training camp right now when there used to be 10,000, you know, maybe, uh, you know, uh, let's try and fix that. Let's try and remedy it. But no, we're just going to, I'm just going to keep right into the fucking iceberg. It's important that people know about that. That's the
0: truth. That's honesty. Like it's it, it's was very apparent. And he said that it was kind of jarring to him that that's that's what the interest level was at. So good yeah. for him.
2: That's a shame, but that's what happens, you know, when you run the organization into the ground is people aren't going to show up. But uh, yeah, yeah. So I did buy I bought tickets to two games this year. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done it, but oh, I did damn it. it. Not for the Flyers because I want to see Nathan McKinnon and his cast of characters and McDavid and dry and that team. And I've, I did it last year. I only go to two games a year, just the avalanche and the Oilers for the other team only. Cause I figured I was like, you know, I definitely don't want to give the flyers any fucking money because I can't stand what they're doing. That said, there are some legitimate generational players that are coming through that building on the other team that, I feel like
1: I'd be depriving myself. Do you remember the homestand last season? It was towards the end of the year. It may have been the Colorado or the other one. they'd be like, "Buy tickets, you can come see Connor McDavid and this one and this yeah, guy in yeah, Cabrizo. off." Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like they're not promoting their own players; they're promoting the yeah, other guys' yeah. teams that you can yeah. come in and see. And it's like, oh boy, how yeah. far are we yeah. fallen. God, yeah. I won't go
2: to any other game, so it's too much effort and whatnot and annoyance. But I. I did a balancing test and I said, you know what? I just, I just got to go see these guys as a hockey fan. I need to see, you know, some good players and, um, you know, we'll see what happens, but I might actually wear jerseys cause I own jerseys from those teams. And I, I may wear opposing teams to those
0: games.
1: You may as well. So
0: <laughs> have, uh, have we heard anything about the sponsor on the Jersey yet? for the flyers
1: we have not known
0: because the Leafs have milk
1: milk uh,
0: good god milk <laughs> the jokes were all over i was dying laughing <laughs> and you know and and for all the people that said uh well when you buy a jersey it's not going to have it on it the minnesota wild team store they have the ads on those them.
1: are old jerseys too those are pre-2020 jerseys they were the uh, climate ones really Adidas. yeah they're old they weren't the brand new ones they've changed the, the, they weren't the prime green jerseys they were the old ones
0: but they put they put a they a, did sew the pad trivia pad patch on rest. it yeah
1: I, but the thing is like in my mind you know as an AHL fan and as a PHF fan they both have ads on the jerseys the little the shoulder patches so I don't really care but then when I see it on like the Canadians jersey or the Leafs jersey like those the it's just it's such a weird it doesn't yeah. belong there man that's fucked
2: yeah i'm not a fan of the patches on there or the ads or anything but yeah the flyers haven't announced anything it's probably gonna be tata consulting (laughs) um, which is on the helmets so
0: (laughs) by the way do you know how huge that company is
2: oh yeah oh they're a massive conglomerate Yeah. yeah i had a friend that used to work there
0: from india Yeah, there's not a single person in that arena who knows what the fuck they do. I have no idea what they do. Apparently, they do a lot of things. Hmm. Steel. They make steel. They make cars. They do IT. They do consultancy and digital marketing and stuff, which is what that is. Didn't they do gritty snacks? (laughs) They may have. Yeah, they may have. Fuck them, then. They did gritty (laughs) snacks. They should be banned from advertising.
2: Does that game still exist? Is that still like, how do you access that? Is it through like a web browser or is it through some app?
0: I think it has to be on your phone.
2: Hold on. I've never
0: tried. I'm going to try it right now. (laughs) I'm going to try it right now.
2: Because I think I I saw it through a browser when it first came out, but I haven't even given it a thought until now again. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty No
1: results. S N A X. Yeah, nothing came up on the App Store. It's probably not even
2: available on the App Store. It's probably in like Try embedded in some fucking web browser
1: and some.
0: I got it. Some ad server. Okay. It's a it's a website. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a website.
0: Oh, isn't that great? He's eating pizza, and yet powered by Tata Consultancy Services.
1: He's eating pizza. I wonder if it's the James Beard pizza.
0: Yeah, I know. Gritty probably had to pay 50 bucks for that pizza.
1: <laughs> Which is a shame, because you can just get $10 <laughs> handies in the market one.
0: <laughs> How to play. Jump, left, right, swipe. Stay alive by dodging food. Green peppers make... <laughs> Seems counterintuitive. <laughs> green peppers make you invincible and run faster. Why green peppers? Is that a Philly cheesesteak thing?
1: Not a proper one, no.
0: It sounds like a fart.
1: <laughs> Again, apropos. Um, so, it's not like,
2: available on a laptop. You have to use it on your phone's web browser.
1: Yeah. What? Yeah. That's Let's annoying. make this as complicated as humanly yeah. possible. Huh. It's, not, it's only available
2: on a phone, but not an app, on a fucking web browser in a phone. How fucking <laughs>
0: dumb is that? <laughs> I literally haven't had to move for like 30 seconds. Okay, now I got to move. Wow, there's giant popcorn and cookies mm-hmm. and you're you're a hot dog with a mustard stripe on it. How
1: Pointing many plays do you think Gritty Snacks gets like per day? I think this is hot Less with than all one. the kids. Manny's probably the first person since the day they advertised it to plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: What the hell? How do you make just... this and not have a fucking app for it? I mean,
0: Gritty just <laughs> ate me. Stupid. Oh, I mean, oh, I, I always I always wanted Greedy to eat me, but, I mean, he just ate me. And I got a score of 45, that's it?
1: I and just your like five minutes. Huh. Well, there you go. Gritty Snats still exist, everyone. Go play it today. Not on the App Store, though. You can't find it there. You have to find some obscure web browser to figure that out. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> God, that is weird. Yeah. Hmm. So if the Flyers finish bottom of the league, bottom three, if the draft lottery is maybe not rigged but predetermined, do you think they give it to the Flyers? The like, no. This is such an interesting. I guess it depends. It's ultimately down there, but if it's like Arizona and Chicago, you know the Phil The Flyers are one of those things, and. A lot of I think more and more people are talking about this now on Twitter, but I think it's one of the topics we find a, kind of brought up a long time ago, which is like the league wide view of the Flyers. Like this is supposed to be a top five team in the league when it comes to generating revenue in a revenue sharing league. With with a salary cap and whatnot. you your the Flyers' existence is keeping teams like the Coyotes alive, ironically enough. The fact that the Flyers are drawing no attendance, the building's a third empty, the trajectory is worse than it has ever been, if they do finish bottom three and the powers that be have confidence over what happens at the NHL draft, if the Flyers do finish bottom three, you think they uh, slide us a favor and uh, hand over Bedard? Intro- I mean they probably I I, I I I do not believe for a second that the draft lottery is 100% probability based. I think there's some mm-hmm. kind of outer influence to that. They would do the entire process on TV if it was not and they do not. Yeah.
2: I think that if it's See this is my thing about the league with the Flyers is I think the league doesn't doesn't care like let's say there is some influence here i think the league expects the flyers to make money and be a top revenue team without having to have those top players i think that they reserve the top players they want the top players to go elsewhere perhaps to other markets because the flyers don't need them to be successful and that's been i don't know that's just kind of my if i'm talking about conspiracies and all that sort of shit. I think that's kind of what they think. They say, "Well, why do the Flyers need it? You know, they're supposed to be able to generate revenue with fucking coots and haze and shit." But maybe, maybe finally, that's obviously the not tides working. are turning. Yeah. yeah, maybe the tides are turning, and they say, "Well, you know what? This is a dump right now, so we're going to have to throw them a favor here and move them
1: up." Right. I could see that. I could see that. I think so many people, like on Twitter, they they just assume the Flyers are going to get Bedard. You know, they've already spoken into existence, right? Of like, well, the Flyers are going to suck this year and they're going to get Bedard to move on. I'm like, eh, I don't know. But if we are running down that path of, of you know, greater conspiracies or whatnot, like if there ever was a time when good grace was shown on the Philadelphia Flyers and, you know, try to help salvage them and what they used to be, this would be the time to do it. So, I don't know. It's just one of those things that I think about yeah this time of year with what mm-hmm. potentially could be when somebody So it like would be Bedard the Flyers... The Blackhawks, uh, Coyotes, maybe Arizona. I'm sure Seattle would be bottom five, probably. Seattle.
2: I think Montreal may be like they not may finish three. low, but
1: they're they're set. You know, they're, yeah. they're they got their pieces in place. It's more just a matter of you know everything kind of showing up and working out. But mm. I think bottom four is going to be Flyers, Chicago, Arizona, and Seattle. I don't know. Even like, I don't even know who the hell would be NHL. See who was bad last year. Yeah, I think that's right.
0: Won't be Detroit. Won't be Ottawa. Detroit and Uh, Ottawa are
1: going to be too good. The Sabers are probably going to be be at least semi decent. Better. Yeah, yeah. the Devils should be better. Devils should be should be. Coyotes, Blackhawks, Jets even had eighty nine points last year. San Jose together, Ducks. San Jose could drop. Yeah. Huh. There's not even, there's like four or five like legitimately bad teams in the league right now. Yeah, there's not not even that many. A lot of teams
2: are either really good now or at least have high end young talent that
1: they could take a step. Mm Hmm. Hmm. There's, (laughs) even when Katori was here and we were, you know, had high hopes for the season, I look around and I have a piece coming out next week where I projected the win loss. Uh, You know, based on their schedule, and I was looking around and I'm like, you know, the Flyers may be better this year, but I still look at the the teams in the league and I'm like, well, they're not going to beat them, they're not going to beat them, they're not going to beat them. There's only like three or four teams that I think even come close to a guaranteed W, and it's teams like Arizona and Montreal. That's a good thing. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: it's an ugly state of affairs. Well, I
2: think as long as they finish bottom three, I'm pretty comfortable with that because they're going to get a stud in the in the top three. At least that's that's kind of what yeah. what the draft analysts say and stuff. And like I I do think that those top three guys are legit. Um, if they finish like sixth worst, it could be a bit more of a problem. They're going to get a decent player, but I think if they're in that bottom three, I'm pretty comfortable at that point.
0: Yeah. You know what would be an interesting way to decide this forget all the stupid they won't do it because they they want eyeballs and viewers when the you know the lottery happens or whatever even though it happens behind closed doors and it's just uh, Bill Daly with those stupid cards mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah um, And then Deloitte, the accounting firm, does like all the number crunching. And it's like, Jesus. No, it's Ernst & Young. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I thought it was Deloitte one year. But, yeah, it is Ernst & Young. And then and it's like, do you have to have it that complicated? I don't know if it was one of the hockey news guys. But they basically said, why don't you do like a a best of seven? So the Flyers will have to play the Blackhawks. Seven games. Winner gets number one overall. Oh, it'd be
2: so awesome to see that! And stick.
0: it adds stakes. And then you know what? Guys are going to want to play for it because you want your you want your team to get Connor Bedard. Mm-hmm. You want
1: to. doesn't that promote even, tanking to even, get to that point? Even,
0: even James Van Riemsdyk will be scooting up the ice because he wants <laughs> Bedard to feed him next year when he signs a cheap mm-hmm. deal.
2: Well, that's the thing, though. Too is like. Are you going to be able to convince veteran players that this is important? You know, I mean, you should be able to because they're supposed to want to win anyway.
1: Theoretically. Yeah. What does that say? But let's take this all the way back to the Sanam conversation. What does that say about somebody like Sanam that he wants to resign here? And I, I had this thought with Coots as well. And it's like. You take a look around and go, this shit sucks. Why would I voluntarily sign here for another six years to stick around in this mess? I've always wondered about that, where it's like, man, if I was a competitive person and wanted to actually win, I'm not fucking playing for the Flyers right now. That's for goddamn sure. This guy should be clicking his fucking heels together down the yellow big road to go find a team where he can win a few games. Why is he voluntarily resigning here?
2: Yeah, this team doesn't have that drive, Dan. Um, Fuck no, not anymore. A lot of these players don't have that. You know, this has been this has been a country club environment for all intents and purposes over the years. And, you know, there was honestly a reason, you know, it's a it's a pejorative term. But, you know, Claude was called Captain Comfortable in a lot of circles because that's kind of the way that things were ran. You know, he was here for 15 years and for all intents and purposes, it was extremely comfortable in that locker room and in that building. Uh, And that's kind of the vibe that, that permeated down to all these other guys right now. Um, I think torts is going to disturb that substantially at this point. And to some extent, Elaine Vigneault did as well when
1: he called all these guys out publicly about their legacies and whatnot. told them to Um, put their big boy pants on. They quit on him until he got (laughs) canned. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But you know, I, I think that's where it stands right now is there's this mentality with these players that, hey, if I can just latch on and make, you know, I don't know, 15 to 45 million dollars in my career with a as a flyer, who the fuck cares if we win anything? Yeah, I'm the making shit. the money. Yeah. I don't have to move anywhere. It's easy life to, you know, the fuck cares. And that's kind of I don't know. That seems to be what's
1: uh, what's going that. on. in there. I absolutely hate that. That's, that's like the problem with this current core, is the Sanheim and Provorov and Couturier and Kanakini. Players like that, players that were, were under the last regime. I, I don't think they ever got the chance to spread their wings and be leaders, and now they're just complacent assholes like the rest of them. I, oh, I hate it. I hate it that they're going to keep Sandheim around. It's just... This is a chance, even just for the organization, to be like, all right, you know, whether they value Sandheim or not, which they clearly do for some reason, but this is your chance as an organization to part ways with one of these guys, to, to say, all right, you know, you you tried, you were here for six fucking years, this team's a disaster, you're part of the disaster, get the fuck off the team and try something new. And there's just... <sighs> I hate it.
0: HATE IT! See, whenever people bring up the Connor Bedard sweepstakes... I mean, obviously, it's not a guarantee, but I at least want the Flyers to be in that mix, you know, three or four teams. And that'll at least bring us some excitement and we'll see what happens. You know, fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. Right. And then there's people out there that go, well, that's a loser attitude. Flyers should be trying their damnedest to win every single year. And I get that. that I mean, part they of it. should.
1: Yeah. But, but given the can. current circumstances, like, yeah. read the tea leaves they on just, this one. Yeah.
0: They can't, right? Mm. And that's that, that's the thing with me is, is this country club attitude, that's a loser attitude. Yeah. Like not wanting as a player, as a professional player, where you dreamed your entire life of lifting a Stanley Cup and to sit here and go, I want to stay
1: because nobody's yeah. going to push me. I want to stay on sign. this 25-win team. I, can, I don't even I can consider it being professional.
2: Like, yeah, I agree. I don't even think of the word professional like when I look at these guys anymore. Like a professional is someone who literally devotes their life as an athlete. Like three sixty five twenty four seven. Nathan McKinnon, cra- yeah, a guy like Nate McKinnon, yeah, of course, and like. I don't see these guys as professionals. Why would you need a coach like John Tortorella right now? If these guys were professionals, they don't know how to talk to each other. They, they can't communicate. They don't hold each other accountable. Like they're not professionals. They need development still. I've been in the league for six to seven, eight years yeah. plus, and they need someone to develop them. Like,
1: <laughs> that's Somebody not Somebody mentioned like connect still has upside. And I'm like, fuck man. This is year seven of Travis Konechny, and we're talking about upside. Like, for fuck's sake! Oh,
0: I can't take it. Like, you know who's a winner? Victor Hedman. He he oh, yeah. he was he was interviewed, and uh, I think it was Jeff Merrick asked him. He goes, "So, Victor, your competitor, Palat, now is on the Devils. He's skating down the ice, and..." you got to cut him off and hit him against the boards. You doing it? And he laughed at first and he said, oh yeah, I already told. And then, and then the, the laughter went away and he goes, I already told them there's no free pass here. Like I'm going to be slashing you. I'm going to be doing whatever. There's no easy way around me. You're coming. I know we're friends and they just bought like a (laughs) soccer team or something together. He's like, there is no pass. Like we're on the ice. You're on the other team. You're not beating me. That's it. End of story. That's the attitude that I want these g-
1: The Flyers these are going rag- to let Claude Giroux dance right past them.
0: <laughs> yeah, these rags Sorry, Claude. Man. I don't
2: want to get in your way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Ca- sorry, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Man. Oh, man. It's going to be so brutal to see Tortorella is going to be. I think Tortorella may have met his match, like, with this club.
1: Right now, It'll I put just put every just... last gimmick he has up his sleeve to the absolute test, especially once we see like for right now, he can bag skate him all day long. Wait until December when this team really gives up. Let's see what the fuck, you know, let's see what what, what happens then. I yeah. would
0: love I would love to see like towards like after a timeout and like telling players what to do by like game like 60. He just he's just like after the timeout, he just he pulls out the iPad and he just cracks a player like right just. That guy's to gonna head. fucking
1: retire before he sees out that contract. Like, sorry, this team's too fucking much of a cancer. I can't take it. I quit. Yeah. Somebody's gotta step up with him. I mean, his whole
2: goal is to get some some of the players to step up yes. and take control yeah. of what's going on. And when there's a problem, fix the figure out a way as a player. And we've been talking, I've been talking to you guys for years about a player saying we need to take control of the situation and figure out how to fix what what's not going right. And there's not one guy, there's not one fucking guy on any of these rosters this year, last year, over the past probably six to eight years that's done that at all. Everyone's just like, oh step back. I don't want to offend him. He's my friend, whatever yep. the coaches will figure it out and that sort of shit. And just, it, it keeps going on and on and on. So one thing that I think that Torch is going to try to do here is get, a, get the guys to take control of their own situations here. That's a, I, I think it's a tough, that's a real tough task. I mean, to get, cause that's a whole different way of thinking. It's a, it's a different way of communicating. It's a
1: maturity thing as well. And and it's a round of yep. a, a lot of guys that've been very comfortable for a very long time. It's just I, I, I it's the immovable object in the force. I, I have no idea of <laughs> Torts going to meet his match. That's for sure. And I think the only benefit that they have for something like this is the guys, for the most part of the old era are gone. Giroud, Voracek, Gosses, I guess Katuri is basically you know out of the equation at this point. Like the old guard mm. is gone. So now it's a matter of whether or not the current core, these Sanheim, Konechny, you know, players like that, whether they're salvageable or not. And if they're not, then it's time to ship them the fuck out and move on to guys like Tippett and Forrester and see what these guys have and can, and can bring up. And, you know, that, that is theoretically how this season's supposed to go. Let the youth come in, let them play, let them earn their stripes. If the vets can't keep up, you fucking demote them, you play them, let Chuck Fletcher sort out the corpses at the trade deadline, and then we walk away with a brand new team in a brand new direction, and you start winning some games in the future. That is, at the core principle, what should be happening here. And again, it's just one of those things where, even though it's such a simple plan that any rebuilding team goes through at some point or another, I do not trust the Flyers to properly execute such a simple plan, because they're fucking a bunch of incompetent assholes. So, um, We shall see.